And we are live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Hotelier Pulse Report session today. Uh, and today's special guest, we have uh, with us the uh, revenue superstar, Steffi Breitschbecker, who is Director of Revenue and Distribution at Meininger Hotels. And Steffi is also a member of the Revenue Management and Pricing Advisory Board at HSMA here in Germany. So Steffi, hi, and welcome to the show. Let me just add you in here. There she is. Hey, hey. thank How you, you doing? for the nice welcome. That was really nice You're of you. Very thank welcome. you. welcome. It's lovely to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You're welcome. And we also have, of course, co-hosting the session with me, Mr. Pedro Colaco, CEO of Great Hotels of the World and Guestcentric. Pedro, lovely to have you here again. Thanks for joining. Great to see you again. And thanks for coming, Steffi. You're welcome. Okay, guys, so look, before we get started, I'd also just like to remind everybody who's watching uh, to make sure, if you're a hotelier especially, to take part in the next Hotelier Pulse survey, please. The, the more, import, uh, more input and data that we get from everyone, uh, especially from hoteliers, the richer these reports are. Uh, Leia will uh, put the, uh, the link into the chat session as well for everybody, and we'll share it through the, through the journey as we go today. Um, okay, so let's get started, and I just want to add now the report. Let me just bring that in. Here we go. Okay, so according to the 12th edition of the Hotelier Pulse Report and the swift vaccination of distribution and the partial reopenings across the UK and the US, we've seen uh, a major influx of bookings from these regions to almost near 2019 levels. So, um, Steffi, I'm going to ask you uh, to also comment on this. But before we do, Pedro, could you perhaps walk us through uh, the data uh, in a little bit more detail? And then, Steffi, I'll ask you to comment as well how this has impacted uh, your property, especially in, in the UK. Sure. I mean, uh, if you look overall, I think uh, what we're seeing here is actually confirmed nights. And we can see that there's been a steady stream of, of, uh, of increasing bookings um, across all our portfolio of, of, of hotels. Uh, this is the same star comparison. So we took an av I think we took a, a sample of uh, 300 or 400 hotels so that we compare actually the same hotels in 2019, 2020 and 21. And we can see that obviously in 2020, we had that big, big drop. Uh, we started the year at very low levels, sort of uh, at the same levels as October and November last year. Uh, but for the last, I think, six or seven weeks, we've, we've, we've seen a steady increase of bookings week over week. And we're now probably at somewhere around 40% of 2019. And actually, because March last year was so terrible, we're already better than last year, right? I think this is being driven by two factors uh, from our from our portfolio. One is that domestic travel has already recovered to 2019 levels. And this is what we're seeing here. The orange line are the bookings uh, for domestic travel in 2021. The, the light blue line is, is 2019. So domestic travel has recovered dramatically. Uh, from the second wave of lockdowns in Europe and also in, in, in the US. So that's one factor that's influencing this, this recovery. The second thing that we're seeing is actually, uh, sorry, I, I, I missed here, is that the US is back to normal, which is sort of uh, surprising. Um, but it's really, I mean, we've all seen the, the, the videos of people in, 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 in South Beach, you know, partying and yeah. doing spring break, like if it were, you know, 2019. 
and uh, and and really from what we see in the, our portfolio of hotels, business is back to normal. We see the booking levels, right? Obviously, the stays are not there yet because stays always trail bookings. But but uh, but it's sort of surprising that the U.S. is doing this well um, in the recovery. Um, last but not least, I just wanted to show you sort of um, one thing that has happened through the pandemic here is that the direct channel has overtaken the OTAs and that gap seems to be increasing in 2021, uh, which is sort of good news for the hotels in the middle of all the craziness that's going on. Okay. There's some good news that actually you're going to get more uh, lower commission bookings or lower cost bookings, which means at the end of the day, better profitability in every booking you get. So that's sort of in a, in a nutshell from what we see in our CRS, um, what we're seeing. So I, I tried to give you good highlights, <laughs> but I don't know, Steffi, do you see the same thing in your, in your hotels or? Um, for me, it's very nice to see that. And I absolutely agree, Pedro. Unfortunately, we don't see it like this for our hotel in London yet. Uh, I think city uh, center hotels a little bit differently um, than hotels on, on the countryside, but I absolutely agree. Um, I think it's it's not a question of demand anymore. It's a question of vaccination process. It's a question of let people travel if they are allowed to travel. Are we allowed to cross borders? Uh, we have seen it now, the Germans going to Mallorca. I think the demand is there. And if the people are allowed to go, especially the kind of guest uh, Meininger has usually, for example, all the young people, the families, if we are allowed to travel, I think we will have a huge impact in bookings and a huge increase in, uh, in, in, in bookings for that. So I absolutely agree. And we are waiting across Europe uh, that the borders are getting open, that the travel bans got lifted. Um, but I'm not sure when this is going to happen right now. It doesn't seem like this, to be honest. So yeah. especially, for example, um, Germany domestic market, Petra, as you said, um, we are strong. The domestic market here in Germany with all our property, it was strong. It was last year very strong in summer. Uh, we had a lot of bookings, great occupancy numbers. And um, like destinations which are highly depending on international flights, um, for example, Rome or Amsterdam or Brussels, um, Let's see when the Americans are coming. So I'm a little bit, I changed my mind now because um, I think Americans, we thought by the end of summer, they might come because they're allowed to travel. But as vaccination process is really speeding up in, in the US, I'm quite confident um, that the airline market, the aviation market is really recovering faster, that they're allowed to come. But on the other hand, uh, let's see how Italy, for example, is doing the vaccination process or here in Germany. I don't know if the Americans are coming um, when we have a huge, um, a huge uh, cases here, many cases of infections. So that's um, a little bit uncertainty, but uh, positive signs for sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Despite obviously the, um, the, the wave of, of travel optimism that we're seeing, there's an increasing number of hotels that are still in complete shutdown. Um, and that's something that we can't avoid. And I think it's also well documented in, in the report, Pedro. Um, Steffi, what are you seeing in, in, in your areas for, for your hotels and experiencing um, specifically for your hotels? And what other areas is mining are focusing on during this time of minimal commercial activity 
Uh, yeah, um, as the pandemic starts, of course, there was a huge hole everybody felt in. We never experienced that before, um, especially when it comes to revenue management. We guys, we love reports. Uh, it was zero-based thinking. No, we wrote <laughs> all the reports in the bin and we need to educate ourselves. We need to reset uh, how we worked um, because we, could, we couldn't rely on. And um, this is something... Um, what changed a lot, the mindset also within revenue management. And um, yeah, we, 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 we need to think and we need to, to contact or be connected to other departments, especially commercial, um, commercial activities. It was, we did a lot um, to improve the digital customer journey, like uh, along that side. We, um, the speed of the website, the IBE changes, we did something to... Um, it's called self-service that the guests can uh, log in, change and modify bookings, uh, loading uh, times of the page. Of course, revenue management, we need to change our rate structure. So as uh, non-refundable rates, promotions, all those kind of things, minimum length of stay, this changed, everything changed. So we need to touch all angles uh, of the commercial uh, aspects. We, um, of course, the most important one for Meininger was we, uh, we moved all hotels to one PMS because we were uh, pre-pandemic. We changed the PMS system. So we took the time to move everything to one PMS. So we have now um, a lot of, yeah, one source of data as well. Um, mm -hmm. We did a launch of a new phone system. We consolidate the customer care and the group sales. So there were so many projects going on. And we finished them um, because we were quite busy before, pre uh, um, before the pandemic came with uh, new openings. And this is what we did. And of course, um, we also opening this year five new properties uh, in Switzerland, um, in, in, in France, and uh, in, in Austria, another one. So we are quite busy also with the new openings going on. And um, I'm very grateful for that, to have the support from the owners as well through that year. Yeah. to get all those things uh, really happening. And it makes also something with the team, seeing that a lot of things um, keep moving. And I think this is the most important thing in this year to, to keep going and learn and keep going and not to stop. Of course, we had the times as well. We thought, oh, Jesus, what's going on here? But yeah. we always to yeah, keep moving, learning. And this is what we did. Yeah. So am I right in understanding that you've actually taken this time during the pandemic to review your tech stack and to make changes? And and like you said, you've got a new PMS. So you've Meininger has actually made the decision, you know what, let's use this time to review our tech. Yeah, we did that. Um, we had a lot of projects already uh, before the lockdowns. And right. uh, we took now that the teams are having the time uh, to actually do it. And uh, we did a lot of things, yes, uh, through all departments and also together. Um, this was a good, a good part. So hopefully it works out when uh, the demand is back and I assume the demand will be back and then let's see. I, 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 I'm sure Pedro would agree. I don't think there's any question demand will be back. Absolutely. Uh, and we're seeing, I mean, we're sure. seeing certainly signs of it uh, in the domestic, but also international has been picking up, but obviously at a very different pace than domestic, right? But but demand is coming back. Um, I think my my biggest uh, sort of concern, if you will, is um, the vaccination pace in Europe, and uh, because I think things are going extremely well in the in the U.S. 
And I think that's, you know, boosting confidence for people to travel, right? Because the young people are not afraid to travel. Uh, it's just that the older people are, are more afraid. And, and therefore, I think that if vaccination goes relatively okay now in the next couple of months in Europe, we may have a very reasonable summer, potentially even better than 2020. Um, if, that, uh, if that vaccination pace actually is, is slower, we're in for the long run because we're going to have a, 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 a difficult summer and then the winter is going to come along. So actually, we're going to be like in, uh, in almost 24 months of winter, <laughs> if you will, right? So, so I think that actually we're, we're going to have so the, the pent up demand is there. I think what Steffi said is exactly right. If people are allowed to travel, a lot of people will travel. Um, a lot of people will travel domestically and go to what I call hinterland sort of uh, uh, destinations. And then uh, international, we're seeing the demand. And uh, last month we had here Gavin who said, if there's demand, there's going to be flights, right? And mm -hmm. he said, uh, intercontinental flights are very important for British Airways and Lufthansa and so on. So he was very optimistic that flights would happen if, um, if people are allowed to travel. So we'll see. But I also think that not only the hinterland will participate, that we are not, uh, not allowed to travel. I, I also believe in city hotels, we are mostly, um, we are almost only uh, city center located. And we have seen it last summer. There are a huge bunch of families traveling in, into the city. And I think also the young people, uh, after being a year um, more or less locked down and not allowed to travel. I think people want to see other people and uh, they want to be in, in the city and uh, like watching other people to pass by, sit in the cafe and having just a coffee. I think we are, yeah. these are the small things everybody is desperately looking forward. And um, I think, of course, the, the, the landscape and uh, um, going to the sea, this was always like this and they will go there. But also the city center hotels, I assume they will recover much faster. But what we um, also have a, an eye on, it's that the supply is still increasing. Um, let's see how we survive that, uh, that year. That's for sh let's see how it's going to be um, and who will survive. But uh, when I look at the supply list of all the new openings coming up for the next years, Let's see how we how fast we will recover, especially in rate and all those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, it can be a positive sign, but yeah, it's also yeah I'm a little bit cautious. Yeah, no, you, I think you're right. I just put up uh, a data because Nick uh, Rukus said that he's seeing some demand from uh, from uh, international American travelers. Mm -hmm. So I just uh, took a graph out of our, our out of our CRS. And these are basically international travelers that are U.S.-based, so people traveling out of the U.S. And we do see there, you know, a little bit of pickup, nothing very major, nothing very sustained yet, but there is some movement. And, uh, and it's, it's always good to see movement in these, in these times because what we've learned with the first wave is that actually this movement tends, this movement tends to accelerate once it's sustained. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more uh, Americans uh, traveling internationally, but uh, but most of the travel um, is mostly domestic, also in the U.S. That's sustaining the U.S. market. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's let's keep moving on. the The next point I want to kind of touch on is industry sentiment about financial recovery seems to have worsened. Um, increasing number of hoteliers seem to expect that financial to financially recover to 2019 levels isn't going to happen until 2023. 
Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that is something I fully agree with, but Steffi, I'd like uh, your opinion. Does this sentiment mirror your own experiences? Uh, what do you think could happen in order for this uh, timeline to change for better or worse? The thing is, if you have asked me half a year ago, my answer would be totally different. Um, so it's a little bit speculation, but let's speculate that that's also revenue management uh, right now. Um, <laughs> but like from my perspective, um, like this year, um, I'm a little bit, I, I think demand will be back, but let's see how the regulations are going on. I don't know if they'll let us travel in the summer if the vaccination is not really improving, like the speed, I don't know if they let us really travel like we want to. Maybe some restrictions when it comes to occupancy levels, whatever we can think about it, um, what they are doing, it's possible. So I'm not confident yet, nothing I want to speculate about. But I think 2021 should be at least not that worse like 2020 especially the autumn. I think in the autumn, most of the people got vaccinated and we have maybe this kind of pass um, that uh, we are allowed to travel. Uh, in 2022, I think it, it's, it's a kind of recovery. Everybody is a little bit getting back. Uh, we have a lot of group bookings still. For example, for Meininger, we have a lot of educational business in our properties. Means a lot of school groups coming. And as you can imagine, uh, right now, uh, as schools are closed, teachers have different yeah. uh, things to do. <laughs> but yeah. we have seen, uh, we still have a lot of bookings uh, for, for next school term, September uh, onwards. So also the teachers um, still want to go traveling. And I think after also the, the, uh, the other pupils in schools are down, they should go to get that bound back within the classes. Um, so... We are confident on this, that they are coming. Um, yeah, 2022, a kind of recovery, 23, back to normal, 29, it would be great. I think demand, yes. Uh, we will have a lot of huge numbers of increase because last years were quite <laughs> down. Um, but I'm, as I said, the supply is coming. It's there. Um, so and 19 was a fantastic year there is some consolidation and thinking everything will be the same as 2019, it would be great. Um, wish for, if we wish for, <laughs> but if this is going to happen, let's see. But at least I think um, we had that in the 20s, like when we had the last pandemic um, and they showed that the, the economy went up and there was a lot of celebrations going on. Maybe we have that effect also 23 here in Europe and worldwide. But um, yeah, let's see who the economy is really going to be. And um, as as everything is global, we need to see also in Europe. It's not only that in the US everything is fine or in Europe is fine. It should be also in Asia um, that the fairs are taking place, um, the hybrid forms, the corporate business, everybody's virtual, what we learned about. So I think there's a lot of movement, but saying exactly everything recovers in two years or three years, now it will affect us for a little bit longer, I think. But it can be also positive effects, huh? Not only oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I think, I, th I think in many ways it will be different to 2019. Pedro, uh, I, I, obviously from your side as well, what are your, what are your thoughts? So, so, so um, first, I wanted to 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 basically agree with Steffi because what we saw in terms of booking patterns this year and this, you know, this recovery that we saw at the beginning of the session is that 
first the, the bookings that we saw were October, November, December, right? Those were the ones that were picking up faster than actually the rest of it. And now it's moving up uh, in the year. And we're now seeing actually that the bulk of the, you know, let's put not the bulk of the bookings, but the, the comparatively the, the months that are doing better are now July, August, September. So we hope as, you know, um, as, you know, confidence builds and so on that we're going to see more short-term bookings because we really haven't seen many of those right now. Um, and hopefully that's going to, you know, fill out the year to have a reasonable summer and a, a good, uh, you know, fall and winter comparatively. So, so that's sort of the expectation. So I agree with Steffi that we are seeing group book, group bookings for October, for November. We're actually seeing tour operators organizing, you know, tour series in October, November, December. So, so that those are sort of, you know, very early signs, uh, nothing sustainable yet, but signs that people are at least are hopeful that by then there's going to be some level of normalcy. But the reality is also, though, that most people, and we just started asking this question in January, right? And the, the question is, how, how do you think 2021 is going to compare to 2020? And in January, 50% thought that it was going to increase and about another 40% thought that it was going to decrease. And now it seems that most people are converging to, you know, probably it's going to be very similar, 2021 to 2020, at least from our uh, survey. And I think that's sort of where everybody is at, right? We know what happened in 2020. We know where our cost profile was. We know where, you know, our revenue profile was. And people are sort of planning for that, right? It's just that we had good January and February last year, and we hope to have a good end of the year this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, just a quick shout out to anyone watching who's watching or tuned in today. Please, uh, if you have any questions or if you'd like, like to ask Steffi or Pedro a question, please don't hesitate to pop it into the chat. Uh, we will uh, most certainly bring it to their attention. Okay, so let's keep moving along. Another point that I, we have uh, from the report is that there's a number of trends have emerged or re-emerged as a result of the crisis. Over 84% of hoteliers are optimizing their direct channels, and we're starting to see the results from that, as you showed earlier, Pedro. Uh, and that's showing to be the top source of hotel bookings over the next 12 months. So, Steffi, um, you mentioned earlier that you've been using this time to refocus on tech and to improve on your technology, and, and you mentioned the, the booking engine. Has this been a top priority for your hotels, and uh, what steps are you taking to strengthen uh, the direct channels during this time for mining? Like direct channel was already before COVID a topic. It was uh, <laughs> Direct is best. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. was already a slogan before that. So we focused Absolutely. on this um, already. It's it's nothing what it's new. Uh, mining, are, for example, we cancelled all the contracts with the wholesalers already pre-COVID. We didn't have any uh, of those. So um, uh, this was, it, it's not new, but we are having the same effect. Um, nevertheless, the OTAs are quite big also uh, before COVID uh, within the share and the distribution share. Um, that's uh, that's also a fact. But um, we have seen the same during the pandemic that uh, IBE is the top performing channel. But um, I'm looking a little bit different on this. Um, of course, yes, what we faced is um, there is a there was an increase in that, uh, that the guest wants to have more advice. They wanted to know I'm allowed to cancel. So there were a lot of phone calls also in our reservation department. So this, this direct that the, the IBE or the direct channel improved was 
also due to the pandemic, people want to know, they wanted to call, they wanted to know if they can cancel, they want to, uh, to learn about the hygiene standards, whatever. And, um, but also the other thing, a lot of the leisure tourism was gone and um, the OTAs, they're quite, this was their source, for example, booking.com, leisure tourism, that was the source of booking.com. And as the source of bookings is now very small, of course, the IBE, it increased. So I'm a little bit, yeah, um, realistic on these numbers. I hope it will remain like this, um, that customer also stay with direct because they want to, um, to have the contact with the hotels, but compete with the technology uh, as a giant like booking.com. Uh, I will not compare, I will not win that war in technology, but I can win when I um, control my distribution, what kind of um, what kind of rooms do I give to booking? What kind of rooms do I stay with my distribution channel? And um, what about rate parity? And uh, because we, we didn't have that as well, um, IBE should be the, the best, um, the, the, the channel with the best performing uh, or the best uh, rates on conditions in, in our opinion. And we keep going this. And of course we did a lot of um, marketing wise uh, for the online marketing part, um, for the keywords, SEO, um, all those kind of things, the, the the marketing department was really on it and they changed a lot of things to see to um, what kind of guests are booking from where. Uh, they improved a lot of things and I'm that will be the most, I'm, I'm excited about to see how the channel distribution statistic will move as soon as the bookings are flying in. Yeah. And then it's about reaction and uh, also when they are lifting the restrictions, I'm quite um, I'm excited to see if it's like bookings within a day or do they book like within a week. Um, so we have prepared everything within the teams to be ready and having also the rates ready. Um, but I think it will be like a fast moving forward and um, we will have we will seen a lot of changes uh, within a short term. And then it's about reaction. I think this is every, mm -hmm. we need to be fast. That will be the key. But um, I think also the big ones, OTAs uh, like booking.com or Expedia, they are standing there and they're waiting that the demand come back and they have also done their strategies. Uh, I don't yeah. think that they were sitting, oh, <laughs> let's wait. Um, so everybody is waiting back for business and I think everybody should get his piece. Mm. I don't care I th that. Yeah, I think it's very, uh, two good points that you mentioned was obviously picking your battles. You're not going to win the war, but you no. can do certain things that will maximize opportunities for you. And also having strategies in place, being ready to be able to execute on certain things when demand comes back and, and knowing what rates to put when. And I think that's very important. Pedro, how are you finding it from Great Hotels perspective? So, so what we're seeing is that there's some some exciting things happening direct, right? So obviously we saw a huge increase in 2020, and 2021 is going in the same direction. So hopefully this booking, this this consumer behavior pattern is going on for so long that it actually changes behavior. So that's sort of a, a hope, right? But I think we have some concrete actions that 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 I I believe are more sustained. One is we are seeing a huge increase in mobile bookings, right? So mm -hmm. in 2021 was the biggest ever of mobile bookings. And actually in February, we had more than a third of the bookings going through our system coming from the mobile channel, which is just an amazing amount of bookings, at least from our historical perspective, where we had about 15, 20%. 
I think in 2020, in 2020 it was 20-odd percent, and in February it was over 30 percent. That never happened in the history of our company. So, so I think that that's a sign that, you know, if you have the right tech, if you're talking to the right people, potentially you can convert more on the direct channel. Okay, so that, that's the, the one, one point that I would like to make. The other is, I think it's important to mention the new Google Hotel free bookings program, uh, mm -hmm. which really will drive, on one hand, um, more competition on the Google Hotel ads program. So potentially it may have a, uh, a not so beneficial effect because we're going to see probably commissions on the Google Hotel ads program go up. Uh, we haven't seen, to be very honest, we've just put our hotels up on it. We haven't seen any bookings come through it yet because, you know, the links are not showing yet and so on and so forth. I think the rollout is is going to happen probably over the next over the next few weeks. Um, but it could be an interesting development for for independent hotels to compete with the OTAs. Right. Where now you can compete on on the commission that you're giving to Google um, and potentially this may drive uh, a few more bookings at a lower commission than traditionally the OTAs um, get. So we'll see. I think that are, those are two trends that potentially may strengthen the direct channel, um, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think as Steffi says, uh, yeah. I think the other interesting thing, the only other interesting thing that I, think I would add is that we have seen OTAs come in and out of markets uh, in terms of ads, in Google ads, uh, because you know, in the pandemic last year, they actually turned off pretty much everything yeah, at some stage yeah. because they just wanted to save money. Now we're seeing that they're much more discriminating about which hotels they put ads on. Which, I'm talking to Steffi, I think they're, probably that's their strategy is also to try to maximize their performance marketing. Um, so that's that potentially is going to open up uh, opportunities for hotels um, to do some stuff there. I don't know. Uh, it's just something that I, I we hadn't seen before, right? Basically, they would plaster Google with ads across all keywords, across all hotels, and now it seems that they're more discriminating. I don't know, um, something that I've observed that I think is interesting. Yeah. I think okay. they are testing also a lot of things. We, we have seen it last summer. Um, it's like families. It's about family discounts. Um, because Family discounts and child discounts, it's, it's a pain for hotel business. Um, yeah. to that, like from the technical perspective, not that we do not want to have them. It's like from the technical perspective, it's a challenge to set up um, child discount and all those kind of things. And uh, But we have seen that the OTAs, um, they focused on, they tried to implement it in the back office to um, to get that, they, they, they're doing their lessons and they're learning fast. And um, this is something what I have seen and, and they would do it because they have a lot of money behind. And yep. this is something like smaller chains or independence hotels. That's how see how we can also go in line with them and to develop something. But for sure, the big ones they did they learned and they will adjust and they will adapt um, to, to 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 gain revenue. As everybody uh, after yep. these years, we need to earn money, and we should. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, great. Listen, we've got some questions coming through, which is wonderful. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll start with the first question, which is for Steffi, and that's from Claudia Ferrero in Italy. So Claudia, thank you so much for joining us. And her question is, what, which kind of technology do you think will make a difference in hotel business? Steffi, from your perspective. A difference from hotel, like compared to others um, or in total? 
Like in technology, I think the hotel business compared to other industry branch, we are sometimes behind and we are sometimes behind um, like from moving forward. It starts with PMS systems. Um, some, there are old ones. We cannot adapt very, very fast. That's something or changing. We change the PMS, it's a pain. Uh, in the beginning and um, you need to do a lot of things but technology and moving faster should be the focus for all within the hotel business we need to adjust because otherwise we will lose the wars to the big otas they are just like this and then they are done they are there and also when new hotels are coming or new uh, brands new um, like opening new hotel brands uh, in the market they are coming they have new systems in place uh, it's harder for us when you have everything in place to change it i think there must be also changing technology must be much easier and faster um, because the new ones um, there will be the leader because they can put everything in place. Everything is up to date and um, they will like, yeah, speeden up. And then we are looking yeah, back and see, oh, we should have been faster. So for me, it's also the speed. We should be more, we should be yeah, more brave doing things in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And also try. Great. Okay. Next question for Pedro. Uh, and it's also from a Pedro. So Pedro Costa, thank you for joining us. Uh, and his question is, do you expect that the rates will keep dropping in Lisbon as happened after the first lockdown? So I just took uh, a screenshot of, uh, of uh, I did a filter here on Lisbon uh, to see, you know, so the, 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 the light blue line is 2019 ADR month over month, right? This is booked ADR, right? Uh, not stays. And then, we do see a big, big drop in in twenty uh, in twenty twenty, which is the dark blue line, uh, especially uh, in, in November, right, where it actually fell almost to fifty percent of what it was in twenty nineteen. What we're seeing in twenty twenty one is that price seems to be holding better, right, uh, somewhere between you know the the dark blue line and the and the light blue line. So hopefully, you know, hotels are going to be smarter this year and they're going to hold their prices because. If um, there's no point lowering your prices, if people cannot travel, if people cannot travel, there's there's just no way that you know a lower price is going to make them travel, right? So, so I think uh, I I hope that uh, people have learned their lessons and that uh, they're going to hold price uh, because demand is going to be there. It's just the restrictions that are going to be um, I think the decide the decisive factor whether people are going to book or not. Okay. Brilliant. We also have a question from Niels Menkenkamp. Uh, Niels, thank you for joining. Great to have you on the session. And his question, I think you mentioned Google earlier, Pedro. Uh, so the question probably comes from that. Do you not think that Google could be more powerful and dangerous than OTAs? <laughs> I'll leave that to Steffi to answer. That's a very difficult question. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to say. Um, I think Google is big. Uh, you always should, you know, you should do your homework and you should know uh, a lot about your partner. And um, not everything is good. Not everything is bad. I think there are always different shades in between. Um, I think as long as you are aware what you are doing mm. and uh, you're not naive um, in those kind of things, I think you are fine. And uh, you should know what you're doing and uh, yeah, dangerous. Um, I think everything is dangerous in life, but if you're not trying things, you're not learning and you cannot adjust. And I'm pretty sure everybody will do mistakes. Um, 
but maybe we maybe we have learned the lessons um, what we did in the past in reference of the big OTAs we did. Um, I do not want to blame anybody here, and it's not about talking about the, the, the bad OTAs. I don't see it like this. We made them big, and uh, it's about relationship in the end of the day. And mm -hmm. um, we, we shouldn't always argue with them or saying you are bad or we are the good guys. Um, I think there are not such things like this. Um, mm -hmm. I think it should be open talk and then you make your decision and then you leave or you don't leave. Um, it's up to everybody. But um, I think you should do the homework and um, try to get as, or gain knowledge as much as you can. And then you take the decision as a company and then you need to live with it. And when you cannot change it, then you need to, add, yeah. you need to, um, yeah, um, take it as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Pedro? If, if, I, if I may add there, so um, our philosophy, at least on the guest centric side, is uh, we get hotels to 50% direct bookings with zero spend on Google, okay? So our, our take is that the OTAs flood Google to, you know, to a level of advertising that can a single independent hotel or a small chain cannot have because you don't have the crossover effect, right? The customer acquisition cost for an OTA is you go to the OTA and eventually you're gonna go back to the OTA organically to book some other stuff, right? That does not happen with a single hotel or with a group of 20 or 30 hotels. So, so they, can, they can sponsor a better customer acquisition cost in terms of Google. So we tell our customers don't advertise on Google, right? What you need to do is, because the typical you know, guest journey is, maybe they'll start at booking.com, maybe they'll start at Expedia, but eventually they'll you know, funnel into two or three properties that match their property uh, location, the price that they wanna pay and so on and so forth. And eventually they'll, they'll land on the hotel's website. And, that's, and by the way, they'll land there organically. And therefore, that's when you can capture them. And that's, that's sort of the strategy that's, that's behind it. So in terms of Google ads, that's been what we've been recommending to our hotels and it's been working extremely well, right? In yep. terms of Google hotel ads, I think that, you know, it wasn't a hugely successful program in Europe, for sure, right? We know the demand or the volume just wasn't there. It wasn't a hugely, it was important for, for uh, acquiring American guests but certainly during the pandemic, we didn't see much revenue coming from Google hotel ads. Um, Google is making a big push now with this Google free booking program. Um, we, we are telling our customers, let's experiment. I think what Steffi was saying, you have to try it, right? You have to try it, you have to figure out what the dynamics are. Does it work in terms of uh, you know, commercial terms? Does it work in terms of you pushing your message that direct is, is better because you give the people more value? or because you're giving people some sort of extra incentive to book direct, I think it's time to experiment. And, uh, and as Steffi was saying, you shouldn't be afraid. Um, you should experiment and then you should make a decision. It's gonna work for some people and it's not gonna work for other people, right? You know, some people have great revenue management strategies and great teams and they can do very sophisticated stuff. Other people say, I don't wanna invest in that sort of uh, expense. I'm focused on the guest experience and therefore, I'll give my business away to booking.com and Google. So okay. I think it depends on the strategy of the hotel, to be very honest. Yeah. Yep. I absolutely Excellent. agree. Okay, good. We have another question from Andras Ilo from Austria. Andras, thank you so much for joining us. And his question is, uh, and this is um, a, a rather a hot topic anyway at the moment. Um, he's interested in your opinions on the smart hotels issue. And what he means is how much technology will replace uh, humans uh, in the future. Uh, Steffi, perhaps you can start. I mean, obviously, with your uh, your tech review that you mentioned earlier, for example, with revenue management, how how much 
are you automizing that uh, that that process? Are you um, are you introducing AI and 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 data analysis in a much more um, I guess granular way now, or are you keeping it to? to um, I love algorithms, yeah. huh? I love those kind of stuff. That's the fun <laughs> part about revenue management. And um, but I need to admit, um, I have great revenue managers within my team, and mm-hmm. uh, I would never let them go and get only AI in because what I'm thinking it's, it's a combination of both. I don't trust also only the technology. It's also interpret numbers, knowing and interpret what does it mean if the ref par is going high. I want to know the why behind and um, algorithm is great, but I think to interpret things and we have seen it now, the pandemic has shown it. If you only focus on, on this, you, you, you get lost because the algorithm couldn't understand what's going to happening. And um, you need to have people behind. And it's, a, it's also about experience. So I think it should be both going in line. Um, I'm a fan of automation and it should be. And you need to do it. You need to have your dashboards. You need to have your systems in place. You need like put a lot of work away from, from the human being that the human being or the revenue manager can do what in uh, like this artificial intelligence cannot do and um, being creative finding another solutions i think this is what we uh, what we should focus on when it comes to the human being and um, i'm i think it's not either or i would not only trust the human being or only trust the technology i think the combination of bore, uh, both is for, for me the success of a company. and But this is philosophy. Everybody can, I, I know from other hotel chains, they are really focusing and it's only about technology. And that's absolutely, it needs to work like Google. It needs to work for everybody, um, not in the same way. And that's fine. That's the beauty about our business. Um, everybody should, should uh, walk the way they want to go. Yeah. And how it fits to the business model, but from for the mininger uh, mininger company, as we have multi bedded room business groups in multi bedded rooms, I'm selling a bed in a dormitory, I'm selling a bed in a female dormitory, I have single rooms and double rooms uh, for 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 fair. Uh, participants. I have uh, four bedded rooms for family with a child discount on it because they're bringing their, their children with them. So it's a lot of diverse things, and um, yeah, I'm I, I believe in both. To be honest, um, that's our success, I assume. Great. Pedro, any comments? Uh, My only comment is I think uh, the the critical item, and I think what we've learned over the last year or so, is going to be agility, right? So (laughs) the reality is that we're facing some very uncertain times, right? Um, We don't really don't know what this pandemic has done long term to our business. You know, is corporate going to come back? If it's going to come back, how is it going to come back, right? Is are things like the ones that are up on the on the screen there really going to happen? Like staycations and and working from hotel are these just you know ideas that we tried to come up with uh, in the last year to you know assure us that there's going to be a business in the future? So I think um, so um, there's going to be more uncertainty in the future, and therefore hotel operations need to be more agile. You need to be able to shut down your hotel more quickly. You need to be able to open it up more quickly, right? You need to be able to have more signals of demand and trends and what's happening, right? I, that's what I think, right? So, so I think that there's going to be need for more data and therefore there's going to be need for more technology to process that data. But also we need 
a lot of that data is not going to exist in systems, right? Uh, a lot of that is what Steffi was saying is, is actually people that add two plus two and say, actually this two plus two is not four because that first two is 1.8 and the second two is 1.9 and actually the, the, the sum is 3.7, right? Because mm -hmm. I think um, at least that's how I see it. And therefore, I think agility is important. Uh, upgrading your technology like uh, Meininger did is, is great because this is the time to do it, right? Because mm -hmm. there's really no risk, so to say, that you're going to lose a lot of bookings because you're upgrading your technology. So I think well done there. And, um, and I would say agility. Agility means better people, more educated people. I think one of the questions on our survey says, um, what are you going to do? Um, and one of the things is upskill your workforce. And I think that would be a critical thing to do while people are on layoff or furlough or whatever program your government has um, to support uh, your, your staff. So so I would say that, you know, you have to upskill your workforce and you have to upskill technology. That's that's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, agreed. Um, just obviously with contactless technology showing on this graph, uh, a quick question, Steffi, for you. How much, if any, contactless tech have you introduced uh, in the pan or since the pandemic into your hotel so, so that you, you're offering that opportunity for, for your guests? It's um, what we are doing... <laughs> For a lot of brands, it's, I think it's already in place, but we, as it's a little bit complicated with Meininger because we have this different kind of room types. So mm -hmm. it's not only single double, it's like with all these different kind of rooms and not only rooms, it's also beds we are selling. We have always the, the challenge with the technology because to find system which supports beds and rooms, uh, it's a kind of... It, it, it's beaten up within the last year, but uh, yeah, it, it, not everything is in place. But what we did is also like the like the check in for the guest, uh, the autom uh, like changing the uh, the bookings um, within the system automatically to um, get the workload away from the customer care. And um, it's also the website because it's everything is self made and um, like uh, the in making the interfaces um, faster. It's also within, um, as we have our own yield management tool, it's self-made. We don't have an external. Oh. And um, it's also speeding up um, the data we are receiving. For example, the scraping data from the competitor sets, all those kind of things to, to improve the speed. As uh, mining is scaling, uh, we are opening this year, as I said, five hotels, the next fives to come next year. So I need to, we need to ensure that the technology is in place when a company is scaling. And this is uh, sometimes it's like from three hours to 50 minutes to reduce the upload of things. So um, yeah, th th this is what we focused on and also the, the speed of the website, the IBE, they're working on a relaunch for the website. Um, like a lot of things like this, uh, what we yeah. spend time on. Okay, great. Um, one other question from Niels, uh, when it comes to data consolidation, he says he sees a lot of systems that aggregate the data, but in the end, if we do, or if you need to dig deeper, you find yourself having to consolidate th that data manually uh, most times. So do you have any issues with that as well? Not really. Um, most of what we did in the past years, we try for the cluster revenue manager to have everything when it comes to the price finding, uh, to have it within one tool. Mm -hmm. We try to do that in, in, in our revenue management system, what we built up by ourselves. 
and uh, that that they can focus on on that. And then, of course, it's the reporting by site. Um, we have in like one or two tools, of course, Excel as well, um, liked by all revenue managers. But also, um, like um, yeah, pickup tracking, such kind of things we implemented to see it. There, we are using the external tool. Um, and this is what we are concentrating on. And um, of course, there are always ways to improve it, um, and, and we are on it. But uh, we don't use so many data within the revenue department. When it comes to online marketing, I know from my colleagues, uh, they have a lot of different things you are working on, and there are different tools, um, And um, but they consolidated this as well. Right. Okay, this great. And, 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 and Steffi, may, may I just a quick question? So obviously we had a, a flurry of cancellations last year. Has that changed in any way the sort of the way you look at cancellations? So net pickup versus just um, I'm a little bit, yeah, I'm a little bit critical when it comes to the on the book situation, even though on the book situation is uh, quite good for September, October. I'm very happy when I look on some days that is the overbooking. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm a little bit critical. I think there are two, uh, two scenarios. Either they are coming all or nobody comes. This is my <laughs> scenario, uh, what I'm having. Um, I'm also a little bit critical when I look at the flight daters because we have seen they are offering a lot of flights. There's a huge in demand uh, or a huge demand, but it doesn't mean that these flights are taking place. So right. even though you see that there are a lot of offers and a lot of movement, it doesn't mean in the end of the day that this flight is going to happen. We experienced that last year. Uh, even though you book the flight, it doesn't mean that you go on that flight. So I'm, I'm a little bit more critical, to be honest, when it comes to the data, what I see and all the data that I see, because this is the big lessons we have learned. Everything can change to a worse or a better within short-term notice. And you yeah. need to be flexible in your, in your head and with the teams um, to, to react on this. So, yeah, I'm, let's, I'm a little bit, yeah, that's going to see. We will see. I think on the books show that there's demand, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that there's going to be business. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope, Pedro, I hope. Yeah, we hope. We hope. We all hope. Okay, we have an, uh, another question. I think we'll make this the final question before we wrap it up. From Michael Friedman. Michael, thanks for joining us and thanks for your, your question. For both of you, Pedro and Steffi, your thoughts on the vacation rental vertical threat to hotels or? <laughs> Pedro, you want to start? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think after this uh, COVID year, to sum it up, I think there is a business for everybody. Uh, I think everybody is desperate for traveling. Uh, even though I love to stay home, I can't wait to go on a plane and fly somewhere, to be honest, and drink some mm -hmm. coffee and cappuccino in a different city. Um, after this year, I think there's a huge... People want to go travel and um, some of them may be scared. They um, just want to book an apartment. Um, I think there are families like I am. I want to stay in a hotel and I want to get the breakfast delivered. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I think there are different needs throughout um, out there. And I think mm -hmm. everybody has the chance within the next three, four years to, to, to make money. Uh, because I think people want to go travel. And um, yeah. I think especially within the hotel business, we put so many hygiene measures in place. Um, I think a lot of things, they will remain. I'm pretty sure on this, it will remain. 
Um, but we did a lot of things and people will recognize it and they will appreciate it. And um, no, I'm, I'm not afraid of uh, Airbnb or all those other kind of things or camping sites, uh, also a huge trend. Um, everybody fin will find the business and um, people will go traveling. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I tend to agree. Yeah, yeah I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, and uh, one of the things that I think has happened through the pandemic. So, so I think Vic, let's start in the beginning. Vacation rentals helped a lot of secondary cities get, get uh, traffic, right? Because people were not going. Airbnb really generated a new type of demand for some secondary cities that then turned into more hotel demand. That's my perspective on, on the whole thing. Um, there was this thing that Airbnb was coming into hotels. Now Airbnb has said they're not coming into hotels. So to some extent, the market has separated again and has gone back to the beginning, at least that's how I'm, I'm looking at it, right? And and therefore, uh, I'm with Steffi. Vacation rentals have a whole set of people that love to stay at vacation rentals. Hotels have a whole set of other people that love to stay at hotels. And uh, and sometimes it's just depending on what you're doing and where you're going. So so I think that as Steffi says, I think there's a lot of pent up demand. There's a lot of people just dying to go out there, just like in restaurants, right? People want to go out and have you know, and bars, right? And, and all the other hospitality elements. What I worry about is our city is going to have all that infrastructure, especially city center, right? Because city center is about going to shows and restaurants and museums and, and you know, doing stuff in the city. And I just hope that those local businesses are going to be strong enough to reopen and be vibrant so that people want to come to London and New York City and Paris and, uh, and, all, and Berlin and, they, and, and people want to go and enjoy the city, right? Because if you go to Berlin, but, you know, you cannot do this, the things that typically you would do, uh, then, you know, less people are going to go to Berlin. So that's yeah. really what, what I hope for is that the governments support these local businesses to reopen um, so that the cities can, can, can drive traffic again. I think everybody is with you on that one, Pedro. <laughs> so I have. I, I just want to bring up one other point before we do wrap it up. We have five minutes left or four, so I'd like to quickly touch on this. I was reading a um, an article online on the BBC, and they were talking about how um, EU member states will be content to leave decision making up to the EU Commission in Brussels, which so far seems to have pretty much bungled the vaccine buying program and getting that across. Or will they simply just start to take matters into their own hands? A good example is, is Greece. They've recently struck a deal to welcome tourists from Israel if they have a vaccine passport. And Cyprus have said that they will also welcome British mm -hmm. tourists as long as they have had uh, two doses of any vaccine approved by the European Medicines Agency. Um, now, uh, the Director General of the Cyprus Hotels Association told the BBC that they're very delighted with this development and it's going to be really effective and very good for airlines to schedule their flights, as Cyprus is traditionally a very popular destination for British tourists. Spain, basically their attitude is we're desperate to get tourism moving along, period. So they're opening up anyway without any restrictions, whether you've got a passport for vaccines, for vaccinations or not. So my question to both of you is generally I get the feeling that people have kind of lost confidence in EU authorities in this part of the world um, in order to get this kind of vaccine rollout right. So do you think that we'll start to see more of this taking matters into our own hands approach from individual countries in the EU uh, and also from, from country hotel association or, or tourist organizations. Steffi, what about, what do you think? I think it will happen because 
the countries are more or less forced, right? We need to earn money and um, it's about economy. And I think I, I personal, that's a personal opinion is um, we are right now a little bit at the at a turning point. It's like one year, uh, everything is happening with lockdowns. Now we see nothing changed. And I think we need to we need to change our directions. You, if you do a mistake three times, four times at some certain stage, you should keep moving and do something differently because otherwise we cannot make new experiences. So mm. I'm grateful that some countries are testing things to, yep. uh, to see if it's working. And then we need to adjust. It's, uh, I don't know if it's like within the EU or it's within the business. You need to do other mistakes to learn. And uh, this is something what I'm now a little bit annoyed uh, about is we are doing the same mistakes again and again and again. I think there are other mistakes to be done. Uh, so I think we need to move the strategy. And um, I'm grateful that Cyprus is doing some things like this and mm. we, can, we can learn about that and we need to adjust. And I think we should And um, we need to keep that economy moving, uh, of course, without like risking more death people. Um, and I do not want to uh, judge this. And um, but we need to change things, especially for the tourism industry. So, mm. yeah, I hope that we are doing it and we need to adjust and being more agile, to be honest. It's, uh, yeah. it's good that the EU is there. And uh, I do not want to um, yeah, say something wrong about this or it, it, it's good that it's there, but we need to do some things differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Pedro, what are your thoughts? And very quickly, um, I think the EU really, you know, did not a good job on the vaccination program. We just didn't get enough vaccines. There's also a little bit of vaccine hoarding by the US and by the UK, which are holding on to all the vaccines that are produced there. So it's not totally the EU's fault. There's, you know, the EU's have, an, I think, a much more global view of this thing. So, so that's positive. Um, I would say that the Southern European countries, which depend a lot more on the summer travel, are the ones that are moving. And that's Greece, and that's Spain, and that's Cyprus. Those are the ones that are worried that they're going to lose the whole year if they don't get a, a reasonable summer. So I think we're going to see more aggressive measures by some of those countries in terms of saying we'll just welcome anybody or we'll welcome anybody that has had one shot or whatever right they'll come up with these things uh that's going to put pressure on the central european countries that notably are the people that are traveling south and we'll see what if this this can become something very you know uh, positive as Steffi was saying in terms of experimenting and trying out things and what works or this could become some something very contentious in terms of Again, a north versus south sort of thing. So we'll have to wait and see. That's that's my personal yep. opinion. Yep, very good. I agree also. All right, Steffi, Pedro, thank you. It's been it's been a great conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed this one. And Steffi, it's been um, wonderful to hear you your input. Um, and also, I have to say, as a as a tech nerd, um, a little heartwarming to hear that you've as a as a company mining it has addressed the their tech stack and reviewed technology during this period that you've taken that opportunity so that's um it's very very um encouraging news so congratulations for that and well done i think absolutely that's, that's, thank you um okay guys so on that note we'll say goodbye and uh, we'll end the broadcast here and until next time it's bye for now oh and don't forget if you're a hotelier please fill out the survey for the next report very important okay guys thank you bye bye, okay. bye.